0: Hey everyone, good morning and welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Joel, I'm one of the pastors here uh, at the church, and I'm excited to have you here. If you're just visiting, you're just hanging out with us this Sunday morning, I want to offer you a special welcome as well. Thanks for being here. It's, it's awesome to have you uh, with us this morning. Um, so I want to start today's sermon by just talking a little bit about um, how some things have like a weight or a gravity to them. Um, they just have this natural pull. We can't help but feel pulled towards them because of some sort of like, majesty that they have. So like, when you see oceans or mountains or certain, certain man-made structures maybe, like the pyramids or the Eiffel Tower, whatever it is, right? You guys, you guys have a picture in your mind, I imagine, of, of something like that. You feel drawn to that thing. You, you can just tell there's a weight to this thing that's kind of beyond me, and, and you feel attracted to it and so even though the internet has like changed the world right we can go online and we can look at pictures of whatever whatever it is right Wh- whatever thing you're thinking of right now you have in your head um, you could go online you could look at pictures of it you could read on Wikipedia all about it you could kind of you could do everything except go there and and know everything about it we still we still know that that's not the same as being there in person and I think uh, young people like love to travel I think and part of that's because we have a we have a sense that, that it's 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 not enough to just look at something online, we know that that there's a huge difference between seeing it or or grasping it um, by reading about it and actually being there because of the weight or the the gravity of that thing. Maybe that part of that's just FOMO, but, but like a, a, a lot of it's like a savviness, I think, to, to understand that, like uh, to really experience it, you have to be there. You have to see it. You have to kind of engage in the weight or the gravity of it. And what we're doing is we're actually going to be starting a sermon series in the book of John. And John, the writer, is aware that he's writing about something that has, he, he understands this idea of weight or, or gravity to things. And he's writing about something that he is saying has like a cosmic weight, weight or a cosmic gravity to it and he wants to write about it so that we would check it out for ourselves that's his goal he actually says it in the beginning or sorry in the very end of the book or almost the very end of the book he says but these this book is written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name this is like a thesis statement for the book. You remember in school learning about thesis statements, trying to go through and find out what's the sentence in this, in this book or this, this article I'm reading that kind of describes the whole thing? This is John's thesis statement. This is why he's writing the book. And he's betting that you have, you have FOMO or that you can understand the idea of weight or gravity and he's betting that you would want to check that out for yourself. He's betting on that and that's why he, what he's writing and doing. And so we're going to be spending some time in the book of John here, and we're going to just come and see this thing that he's writing about. Um, John is inviting us to, to, to come and see the weight or the glory that he's writing about. We'll talk about the idea of glory and weight in a little bit here. He's, he's writing about this, and he wants us to come and see it. And so we're going to come and see. It's actually a couple of times in the first chapter where, where, where different characters say, come and see. And I think that's a great like invitation, kind of a meta thing for us as the readers of the book to also want to Try and come and see it. Even if you already believe, even if you've already had a profound experience with this, I think it's still worth it for us to continue to go back to come and see over and over again. And so we're going really, to really dive in. We're going to really try and, and, and take, uh, take, take this, this sermon series as a chance to really dive in in full into this book. And so we're going to have stuff, uh, we're going to be preaching through it obviously, you're going to be going through it in your community groups like normal, but we're going to be putting some videos out on YouTube as well that will let you go deeper into sort of the history in the context of what's going on to really understand the world that John is writing about and what has actually happened when Jesus has shown up on the scene and this sort of this, this massive gravitational force has come on and is pulling everything into it and help us to sort of help us understand that. We really want to dive in with this and try some new stuff. So be lo- on the lookout for some YouTube videos to kind of help you with your study of it. Maybe we'll think of some other things too. Um, but yeah, just, just keep an eye out for that stuff. We really want to invite you to really dive in. So let me just give you an outline of the series, just so you kind of understand what we're doing. So we're actually going to be having uh, closer to four mini-series in the book of John. So what we're going to do is we'll, we'll start out with the first about six chapters, not, not quite to the end of chapter six, but almost. We're gonna be, that's going to be called Come and See. It's like where John really introduces us to Jesus he, he kind of, it's like a full introduction to him and he, we have some of these like paradigmatic stories about what Jesus does when he shows up and what his ministry looks like but then what happens is, is we'll, we'll move into this kind of second mini-series and we'll, we're calling it Devil's Advocate so Jesus has shown up he's shaking things up people are not big fans and he starts to get some pushback and there are some objections uh, to Jesus by different people in his world and so what we're going to do is we're going to try to uh, bring that over into our own time. Like what, what are some objections to what John is writing about and how do we think about those things as well? And we'll kind of use uh, what, what the, the people who are objecting to G- Jesus in the book are saying as a kind of a springboard for us to help understand that as well. Then we'll, we'll, we'll go to up close and personal, that's going to be the third one. And, and what happens in, in this one is Jesus gets some time uh, with his disciples where uh, they, just, they just get up in, into this room. It's like four chapters long where it's just a conversation, like an intimate last supper with Jesus and his disciples. And we'll get this sort of even deeper picture of who Jesus is in a kind of a new context. It's not in public ministry like the first six chapters are. This time it's with his close friends. So we get to see another side of Jesus. And then finally, at the very end uh, the end game of the book which is what everything has been driving towards is this this climax where where the final full unveiling of Jesus' weight is given to us and it's in the cross and it's in the resurrection and so we'll we'll see what John has to say about that as well as we kind of close the book up so that's kind of what you can expect here for the next uh, few months in in this uh, in these sermon series for the book of John so I'm really excited about it and I hope you guys are too so um, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about the first 18 verses of the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which really functions as sort of like a prologue to the book. You know how when, when you're reading a book and there's like a little section of it at the beginning that kind of gives you some information or sets up the story in some way, but, but it's kind of like a little bit disconnected. It's not actually into the main story of the book. That's what happens right here in the book of John. Um, and John is is giving us like a setting of the stage about who this person is, kind of like Uh, like a behind the curtains view of like what is actually happening behind the scenes to make jesus show up on the scene so it's really big stuff but john talks a lot about um this idea of glory in in the in the section we're going through today and i think the word glory actually if you look at the, the hebrew word for glory it actually means weight and so when we talk about weight or gravity kind of What pulls us into things. Glory is a good word to use to describe that as well, and it's the word that John uses. So I want to start it off from there. But to help us to understand that idea of glory, I I want us to go back a little bit to kind of understand someone else who is trying to figure out God's glory and figure out, um, like, what's behind this? How can I see this? What is it made up of? And this guy's name is Moses. So, in in the book of Exodus, in, in chapters thirty-three and thirty-four, we get a story about Israel and Israel is God's people. He set them apart. He's taken them out of slavery, and the leader is a guy named Moses. and And Moses is tasked with dragging this stubborn group of of, of former slaves to God's purposes for them, to take them to the promised land, to establish them as His people. Uh, the whole earth? This is going to be His special people. And um, and you remember last week we talked about the blessing of Abraham and Sarah. If you were here last week, we talked about the blessing of this child of Abraham and Sarah, like. As we trace through this idea of God's blessing, we we find that there's this culmination of it in Israel getting set free from slavery and becoming this actual people. This is what Abraham was waiting for. This is what he wanted so badly uh, when he uh, he and Sarah are are kind of going about on their own efforts to try to acquire this child that God has promised them. Now, this project that Moses has, is, it's a real fixer-upper, it's not, and it's not one that you can fix in an hour on HGTV either, okay? It's like, this is a, this is a big deal, and Moses is, is very aware of it, and he knows in order for, for me to do this job, this thing that God has asked me to do, to take this people, to be his people out and to take them to the promised land, I need God's presence, I need his glory to be with us, and we need to, I want to see this. Whatever is going to happen, it can't happen without God being with us and without his glory being manifest for us. And so what we find is Moses. And now this is Moses. All right, Moses is like perhaps the most important character in the entire Old Testament. He has been a model and an inspiration for people for centuries, for slaves and for leaders of movements trying to set people free. Moses has been the person that people have looked to as an example of how to do this. So Moses is a big deal. And we find that Moses, he's asking to see God's glory. He's this great person. He's already done this great feat. He's stood toe-to-toe with the emperor of the greatest uh, empire in the world had ever seen up to that point and he himself is not able to see all of God's glory. He's actually told by God that this is this is going to be too much for you. I have too much drip for you. Okay? Does anyone anyone get that? Okay, maybe not. Too bad. All right. So, but he's just this is like too, too much for you. My glory is too radical for you, Moses. And so, um, what I have to do, I'll let you see some of my glory, but I'm going to have to actually put you... Um, in the cleft of a rock, when my glory passes by, and I'm going to cover you with my hand, so you only get to see my back. It's very cryptic. It's very hard to understand exactly what he's saying, but we, get this, we know for sure that Moses can't see it all. He can't handle all of the stuff that is going to happen. And so what happens is God passes by and Moses is able to hear God say his name and then his character traits. That's what, that's what we find out that is the main substance of his glory there is his character traits. And that's that he's merciful, he's loving, and above all, he's faithful, but also God is just. He does something about evil. And so the rest of the Old Testament is kind of like that, as it, as it per, uh, proceeds on from there, is You have other people like Moses who come up, and, and they get glimpses of God's glory, but they don't get to see the whole thing. Um, it's kind of like, like when, when you're a kid, and, and you're, you're wanting to miss school. You're just hoping for a blizzard, right? And you see snow flurries, and you're like, come on, just give me the rest of it. I just want to miss school. Come on, I want more than the snow flurries. And it, you just, it's enough to get you excited, but it's not enough to actually cancel school. You know how frustrating that is? It's the feeling that people in the Old Testament have, is wanting to see all of God's glory, but not getting all of it, not getting all of it. And one of the ways that they actually, uh, they, they build this, the tabernacle, it's this mobile tent that God's going to dwell in, but, you, but only one person can go inside of the center of that, and it's once a year. And then they build the temple, and the same kind of deal is true there. It's, we know that this is building, and God is living inside of it, um, but no one can go inside of it and see it. No one actually knows what's going on in there except for the high priest, and he can only go in once a year. Um, and so it's just kind of like this, this tantalizing sort of grasping a hold of God's glory. But it's not enough. It's not the full thing. But something changes when we get to the book of John. And that's what we find here in this, in this prologue. And so we're going to walk through the prologue of John, those first 18 verses. But actually I'm going to move kind of backwards. We're going to start towards the end of that. And then we're going to move our way through the sermon back towards the very start. So back back to verse 1 um, as we move through it. Okay. So let's start in verse 14. And what John tells us is the word, we'll talk about what the word is in a little bit, but the word is is Jesus. The word becomes flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So that word dwelling is really important. Uh, The word is actually, it doesn't mean dwelling. It actually is just literally the word, uh, like, like the the word is like he pitched a tent. That's the word that's being used there, or tabernacle. Literally it says, God, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's what John is saying here. And so the word tabernacle there is obviously it's it's the word that I talked about before, where God dwelled with the people of Israel. So it's like a new tabernacle has come, but this one is not made up of, of, of curtains and like rods to hold the tent up. It's actually built up of of flesh and bone and, and muscle and ligament. That's what, the, that's what this new temple is. This new dwelling that comes with us is a human temple, a human dwelling. And this human dwelling, this human temple, that is Jesus, is full of grace and truth. That's actually, remember I said that God passes by Moses, and he kind of tells him his, his character traits? So full of grace and truth here is the exact, in the Greek, what the Hebrew was when, 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 the, when the glory of God passes by. It's actually the same thing. So John is deliberately echoing what Moses saw, but but this time... We have seen his glory. We've not just heard about his glory. We've not just kind of caught a glimpse of it from behind. John is saying this time we have seen his glory. Something is different this time he continues on and say, out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the father, has made him known. So now there's a, f- there's a fullness that's come this time around. And out of that fullness, we've received grace on top of the grace that was already given. So Moses had seen parts of God's Glory. And he'd been able to, to get the law. He'd been able to kind of do his job of leading Israel uh, to a degree. But, but what, what Jesus brings is a greater glory. He's made God known in a way that he wasn't known before. And this is because Jesus is God. That's what John says a little bit later on. This this word is actually God himself. So instead of kind of being contained in a small room, set apart from everybody, seen in glimpses perhaps, now we're getting the full uh, unveiling of who God is, and it's in this person named Jesus. There's the the fullness, the weight of who God is, is residing in this, this God become flesh, this human temple that is walking around, talking with people. That's what John is telling us. And so his glory is made manifest in the most relatable thing possible a human. Just think think about that. Think about how incredible that is. That's what John. All the stuff that John is bringing together uh, in this section, in this part of the book, it's really radical. When you really stop to think about it, it's really, really incredible. There's so many layers to it that, like, we could take a, a three-hour sermon to talk about it. But I won't spare. I won't subject you to that. I'll spare you of it. Okay. But that's like that's the type of pondering that you could do when you think about this. And so for us, an application point as we go through the book of John for the next few months, is I want us to really come and see God in all his glory. That's what John is trying to do, right? He doesn't just give us this prologue, he actually explains what it looks like when this this human who takes on flesh and is a temple, this walking, talking, uh, breathing, human, emotional, feeling uh, temple is walking around interacting with people, stirring up trouble and, and doing all sorts of stuff that no one saw coming, He's going to tell us what it looked like when that happened. And so we're going to, we're going to walk with John and be, behold the same glory uh, with him as we work through this book. And so an application point is to really, I want you to really dive in with this, okay? I don't want you uh, to miss what's going on here. Because everyone wants to know who God is, right? Uh, I think that that's true of people in the church and outside the, of the church. There, people are searching for God. People are deciding the church is not the place to do that anymore, sadly. That, that, that the Bible is not the, the place to do that. But like John is saying, if you want to know who God is, you have to get acquainted. You have to know who Jesus is. There's no other way to know God in his fullness without getting to know this person. That's what John is saying here. And so instead of looking at yourself, you have to look to Jesus. That's what John is saying. All right, let's move, let's move through the passage. Remember, we're moving a little bit backwards here. Uh, verses nine through 11. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So John's aware, and we'll, we'll, we'll see examples of this in the book as we go. He's aware that people didn't always notice this glory. They, 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 for whatever reason, they, they missed out on it. Now, a lot of the people that we meet he he says uh, his own he came to his own his own did not receive him that's a a clear reference to Jesus coming to this people of Israel remember this people that that Moses is dragging with him out of out of slavery who 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 are supposed to be God's people who have been given the law who have been given glimpses of his glory who have seen God do all these amazing things this is the people that Jesus comes to first and a lot of them totally miss it for, for different reasons some of them are thinking it's because well what we had in Moses Moses was pretty good. Like the law that we were given, like we, that's all we really need and this Jesus character seems to uh, not be totally lined up with it. He seems to think he can go beyond it and we're not cool with that. And so they reject Jesus for that reason. But some people reject because they're just too concerned with other things to pay attention and, and this is something for us to, be, to think about because the, the we're in danger I think of that of being in that second group I think that this is the, a particular danger for us in the world that we live in is to be in that second group and and the danger is that Jesus would come and we would totally miss his coming that we would we would we would not see it would happen right underneath our noses without us even realizing that it's taking place uh, Listen, we, we are, just in this congregation and in this city, we are a well-educated, we are um, we're working, we're busy young people. We have plenty to do. We have a lot of stuff going on, and that takes up a lot of our attention. And, and so, and, and not only that, we like being busy. We think of being busy as like a virtue. Like if you're busy, you must be important, and I want to be important, so that means i got to load myself up with stuff. i got to be doing, I got to always be in motion. i got to always be doing stuff. Now that's not bad, okay? Don't hear me saying that that's bad, but it, be, it, be, it, can, it can cause us to miss this coming of Jesus when we become so preoccupied by it that we do not see what is going on beneath our noses. And because and, and this busyness and this, which creates a lack of reflection, can kind of breed a sort of I think familiarity with it, like a hollow familiarity, right? And, and, it, and it can just cause us to miss what's going on because we think we've already got it covered. And so I got to actually focus on this other stuff that's more important, right? Imagine how horrible it would be for like a parent who was so preoccupied with their work and they thought that they knew their child, right? They knew like the schedule of their child. They knew where this kid needed to go um, like after school to get them to the after school activity that they had, right? Tuesdays is softball, Wednesdays is math club, Thursdays is whatever, right? You know, the, I know all the stuff, my, you know, I know who, who my kids hang out with, I, I know all this stuff, but then they realized one day that they knew all about their kid, but they didn't actually know their kid. They, they, they act, got into a conversation with him and found out, I just don't even know who this person is. I know a lot about them. I don't know who they are. I think that that is a danger. That is that is something that we can be in danger of, is, is knowing a lot about Jesus, but not actually knowing who he is, not actually being acquainted with him. And so we need to really reckon with the coming of God in this glory, because we can we can trick ourselves into thinking we know who Jesus is, when we just really know about him. And I think that's, a, that's an especially dangerous place to be. That's an, because we have the illusion that we think we have it covered, and it makes us totally apathetic to really knowing Jesus in depth. Um, and so, if we're not vigilant, right, that this revelation of Jesus could come, the one that John is telling us, this weight of glory could descend upon earth, and we could, we could miss it... Be, we, we could miss hearing about it miss it with our ears because we had headphones in uh, we, we could miss seeing it because we were checking our work email uh, we couldn't grasp a hold of it with we couldn't grab a hold of it because our hands were full with a phone um, we, we, we could uh, we couldn't speak about it because our mouths are filled we're stuffing our mouths filled with food or, or drink uh, we, we could not learn about it because we thought we knew it already and I think most important we could uh, we wouldn't desire it because uh, our hearts truly desires something else, and of far less values, but something that is shiny, that preoccupies us in the moment, and that we think is more important, okay? This is, this is important for us, so I just want you to, to, to think about that, to ask yourself, as we move through this book of John, like, where is my heart at? Am I in danger of missing the weight of glory of God himself coming in person because I'm preoccupied with other things? That, that's what I want to challenge you guys with um, as, as we start to move through this sermon series. Uh, Let's keep moving through the passage, um, 12 and 13. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So, so John is saying, for those who do receive, those who do recognize the weight of this, a new group of people are created out of that people. A new, a new Israel that God is dwelling with in his glory. Th- that's what's taking place here. And they're not bound together by their race. They're not bound together by who their parents are. They're not bound together by uh, their socioeconomic status. Uh, they're, not bo- they're not, none of that stuff matters. The, the, the things that we use to divide ourselves now, none of that matters to John. All that matters is that, that no group of people get to categorize or define who these people are. Um, we're, we're in the political season right now, and so you're going to hear a lot about identity politics now. And this is just something that we do. Is we assume we can lump a group of people together based on their skin color or how much money they make in a certain year or like what district they live in, and we can just kind of assume we know all about them. And so it's like these artificial constructs of people that, peop- that we'll get lumped into, and you'll get you 're going to get targeted ads because of like what data is out there about you okay that's identity politics i 'm sure you're all getting except for Mike Bloomberg everyone gets his ads but um, but all the other ads you're getting you're getting probably because uh, because of a certain thing that the the campaign knows about you that 's called identity politics, and you can assume you can know what a person thinks and believes based off of like how we 're defining them okay what John is saying here is what what matters is that that we're created, like we're a group of people that's created by God, not by humans. And so no human categorization of us matters anymore. It's, it matters by how we're put together by God and how we respond to the revelation of this glory. And so we're, we're formed and we're, we're made this new group of people. And so what we got to do, and this is our, our next point of application, is we have to come and see God together. Okay, So as we go through this book of John, we have to be uh, recognizing who, this, this glory, this weight of glory. We have to be doing it as a congregation. It matters that we do it together. That's why the church matters. We're not meant to witness this stuff on our own. You can't comprehend the glory alone. That's, that's part of it, is we need each other to help really understand this in depth and to be challenged to, to respond and live it out in the right way. And so that's why it matters that we're doing this together. So, and it's our duty to, to help each other receive that, uh, to make sure that no one gets left behind. No matter what, no matter what it is that, that we might choose to divide ourselves over, we can't do that. We have to behold this glory together. And so we're going to study it together, as we always do, as we always do. But I want to challenge us to do that. Our final, uh, sorry, um, okay, so I got the slides a little messed up, sorry here, but what I want us to talk about now is like the the next point of application is um, I want us to come and see hope, okay, so we're talking about a level of hope that's being delivered in the glory of God as he comes now. And we find that in John 1, 1-5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is the famous part of the passage. You probably have heard this before. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now John, remember, John is this ever not just about the words he's using and how it reflects back on what, what we've already read in the Old Testament. He, he's retelling for us the Genesis story here. Okay? But we, what we find out is there's an additional piece of information. That there's this creating agent, the word, which is Jesus. Who was an actual, like a part of the creation of the world. And because he creates, there's life. And that life is the light of mankind, nothing else is. Now, what does this tell us about jesus what, what, what does it tell us about who he is? Obviously it tells us that he created the world, but it tells us something about his character too something else that that is kind of incredible and athanasius the great uh, the great church father um, says that the says that we should understand what's going on here is the renewal of creation, okay? So remember, we're tapping into this creation story. The, how the world was created through Jesus has been wrought by the self-same word who made it in the beginning. So th- the creation has been started by Jesus, but now he's come back to renew creation again. And so what that tells us about, about Jesus is that he's faithful. He is, he is faithful to come back and to not give up, right? He creates the world, and he sees it go off the rails in spite of opposition, in spite of apathy, in spite of us completely trashing his creation, uh, thinking we can, we can figure it on our own, thank you very much, without him. In spite of all of that, we can have a hope that that word is not giving up on us, that he is faithful to his creation to the point that he's willing to enter into creation to the point of dying himself in order to renew that creation. And so, and so um, we can know that he doesn't give up. We can have hope that he does not give up on his world, he does not give up on you. That's what we can know about this word who reveals himself. That's what we that's what the glory is is that God does not give up on you, no matter where you're at, no matter who you are, and we can know this from reading the book of John. And that makes him worth beholding, and that is the true heart of his glory and his weight, a glory that leads us to hope. So that is where we're going to end this week before we continue on the rest of the book. For now... Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to close in worship. We're going to close in prayer. We're going to close in communion. And we're going to close with giving as well. So you don't have to be a member at Res City in order to uh, come and take communion with us. We just ask that you are a follower of Jesus. That you, have, you, you see the weight of glory that is revealed in Jesus and you respond to that. And if that's true, please come and take um, communion with us today. Um, the worship team is going to come back up. We're going to offer up uh, worship to this thing that is deserving of weight and glory to the point that we gather on a Sunday morning and we sing songs to remind ourselves to lift our hearts higher in the adoration of that thing. We're going to do that now as we close the service. If you need prayer, someone will be uh, available to pray for you in the back, no matter what it is. No matter what you're looking for prayer for, there will be someone back there to pray for you. And then also, as always, uh, we see giving as as a type of worship. And so if you feel led to God to worship in that way, we have a box where you can give in the very back. So I'm going to pray to close this, and then we're going to, we're going to enter into that time. Lord, we, we thank you that you have not given up on your creation, that you are, just as you told Moses um, when he beheld your glory, you are faithful, you are merciful, you do not give up on your people, and, and we see that in, in, in how you come back to us. Lord, I pray that we would be gripped by that glory, that weight, we would see that, we would, we would be unable to not respond to that. And that you would help us to behold that glory in the way that John desires to to teach us um, as we work through this book of John. God, that is our heart's desire for today and for the next few months as we read through John and for the rest of our lives as well. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joel.